This is Aliens and Artists, part one of our conversation with Kathleen Martin. I'm your host, Stuart Davis. Kathleen is an experiencer, a ufologist, author, and a certified practitioner of regression hypnosis. She's also the niece of Betty and Barney Hill. We discuss her contact experiences, her work with the Free Foundation, and the astounding series of events that resulted in her being healed by non-human entities. I would say that uh, from the first time I had an experience, I was personally aware that something very unusual and frightening had occurred. But when I spoke to other family members about it, I was told, you are not supposed to speak about this. They don't want you to talk about it. So I never did. And I know uh, the level of ridicule that our government has encouraged in the population and how certain disinformants attempt to destroy uh, experiencers or abductees or even those who uh, have close encounters to destroy their lives and their professions, uh, then I decided not to talk about it. I was never going to mention it to anyone. Then 30 years ago, when I began to uh, offer assistance uh, to experiencers over the phone where they could simply speak with someone who was not going to provide ridicule, uh, I began to let them know that I too was an experiencer. I did that because I believe it helped them. And I was always uh, going to keep that <laughs> a secret as well. No one violated confidentiality on that, which I was very pleased for. But then several years ago, I uh, had was working at UFO conferences around the country. And at every conference, a psychic would come to me and say, they really want you to tell your story. And somehow <laughs> they knew that this had occurred to me. They, they told me that this would be very helpful to others who are having the same experience. And so very reluctantly, I came forward and stated that I too uh, am an abductee and I consider it abduction because I never consciously asked for any of this. As far as I know, it occurred for the first time in 1966. My Aunt Betty Hill was working with a team of scientists who uh, were giving her a script to read. And she would give the coordinates and the day in the year, they would count from January 1st being day one. And she would ask the UFOs to show themselves in various locations. One of those locations was uh, to land on my grandparents' farm. And I grew up directly across the street from my grandparents in Kingston, New Hampshire, which was 19 miles away from Betty's and Barney's home. So uh, one night, a craft did come in. It was observed coming in, uh, hovering and preparing to land by two individuals. One was my grandmother. The other was a neighbor who was returning home from work. And we heard about that the next day. Uh, it left physical trace evidence on the ground. And it was investigated uh, by, and I'm not sure what group investigated it, but UFO investigators. And so what I remembered from that night, and I think it's that night, I could be wrong. It could have happened at another time. But I had conscious recall of remembering waking up on a table with non-human entities standing around me. And I knew they were non-human, but I could not remember 
their faces. I couldn't remember the types of features they had. And years later, I had an ab reaction to all of this and was finally able to see and observe their faces. Uh, this happened 200 feet from my childhood home. My mother was also on the craft with me that evening. She remembered the event as well. I don't remember if we discussed it immediately or sometime thereafter. I not only had a spotty memory of this, but I also was experiencing unusual pain uh, that was just causing me to question if this was uh, really a, a real experience because of the, the physical pain I experienced as well. So as far as I know, that was the beginning. And time and time again, uh, I was taken to craft for uh, various reasons. Uh, the, there were two other episodes where the craft was uh, observed by my neighbors. One of those times, the neighbors were actually knocking on my door uh, to have me come out to look at this craft. And uh, I wasn't anywhere to be found. And so this happened, you know, just periodically throughout my lifetime. And when I didn't understand it, uh, I was traumatized. Uh, I was aware of some of the work that was being done by early researchers, but they uh, took a negative view of what was occurring. And so I was aware of only the negative part of it, the, the attitude that we were being uh, exploited and being used uh, like lab rats by this extraterrestrial race. And I did undergo hypnosis with Dr. James Harder. And this was about, I would say, 1976. And uh, I had a partial memory uh, in addition to what I already remembered uh, and, and continued to remember about some of my experiences. I, I don't want to go into a lot of details. They're probably no different than anyone else's. The, the difference that between me and others is that uh, these entities finally let me have conscious recall, unless it was Dr. Harder's uh, post-hypnotic suggestion that I would remember more. Uh, but... I remembered uh, then uh, being on a table, but I was surrounded by very loving non-humans. They were uh, sort of grayish or Asian appearing, uh, but not Asian. And they told me telepathically, they projected love toward me. This was more intense than any feeling of love I've ever had on this planet. Uh, it was incredible. They uh, told me that they were doing no harm, that they only wanted to attempt to raise my vibrational frequency. Uh, I was feeling a very strong tingling through my body. In the year 2012, I was healed from a long-term uh, debilitating illness that I uh, had been suffering from by them. And so I changed my attitude because I was not being harmed. In fact, I was being helped. And they were giving me messages. And one of those messages was about their concern for our planet and the work that they were doing on our planet uh, to collect DNA uh, in case we destroy ourselves, to attempt to create a more sustainable species, uh, 
that they were doing this not only here, but perhaps to uh, seed other planets that they had terraformed. And they said that the greatest concern about us is that our spiritual development was out of sync with our technological growth and that this creates problems uh, because we have the ability to destroy everything on this planet. And, but we are not spiritually developed uh, to uh, love one another, to cooperate with one another, that we are in a planet that is warlike with primitive behavior and attitudes. And this is of great concern to them. They have... Uh, seen this occur on other planets, and they, the planet destroyed itself, and they didn't want to see it happen here. So this is what they have been attempting to do on our planet. I then went on to uh, do an experiment uh, that involved an experiencer. He was originally from the UK. His name is Kevin Briggs. He was a police officer over there. His wife worked for the university as an assistant researcher. And they moved to the United States about 20 years ago. He just happens to live in the town that I live in, but I didn't meet him until 2015. And we were invited, a number of researchers and skeptics, a PhD psychotherapist uh, to meet for a period of two years, one time a month, and to ask questions from this uh, supposed uh, extraterrestrial council of entities that he was in communication with. So uh, I took part in this experiment. Again, I was never going to mention this, and I didn't for many years, but we've moved ahead in our understanding now, and I have uh, much more evidence than I had in that time frame, and some of that is on my website at kathleen-marden.com. If you go to my essays on contact and read my essay on uh, uh, Rear Admiral at uh, Herbert Knowles, Her, uh, Wilbert Smith, the CIA, and the American government, and communication between them and uh, ETs back in 1954. You'll understand why I've decided to go forward with all of this information. It's pretty compelling. So uh, uh, to make a long story short, uh, we did have the opportunity to meet these non-humans that we could feel but not see, except for maybe as a shimmering. Uh, we could sense them as that very strong electrical tingling, the same electrical tingling I experienced on the craft when I was there. And we were able to learn to communicate with them telepathically, at least one of them, and we were permitted to ask questions. And one of those questions that I asked is, uh, we believe that you are here uh, to assist in our development, and we, you are concerned about our use of nuclear weapons. Uh, what can you tell us about that? And the answer that I received is, uh, you did reach your present state of development before on this planet a very, very long time ago, and you destroyed yourselves, and we are not going to let it happen again. We will intervene if we must. So that was uh, the additional information that I received. So. Uh, my my research has moved ahead by leaps and bounds. I have to say, back in the 1990s and the early 2000s, I was strictly a nuts and bolt, bolts investigator. 
I was looking for physical evidence. And if I didn't find physical evidence, I just had to dismiss the cases, not having any credible evidence. But over the past 15 to 20 years, I suppose, I have uh, come to see a lot of that uh, intangible evidence myself, to feel that evidence, and to know that the individuals that I was with uh, felt the same thing, that I was able to communicate with these non-humans telepathically. So, and I also witnessed orbs, for example, uh, orbs, light orbs that appeared to be intelligently controlled in experiencers' homes, and also to receive video from one experiencer that I was working with who captured video of an orb that healed him from lymphoma. So uh, I, I have to say I have moved ahead and expanded my consciousness uh, by leaps and bounds over the past 15 or so years. In respect to the disparity between our technological and spiritual development, what's your appraisal of humankind's ability to deepen our consciousness sufficiently to respond to these crises? What's the prognosis as to our inner development catching up to our outward mayhem? As it now stands, I think that probably the majority of the citizens of this world uh, really have no knowledge or very little knowledge of uh, our present situation. I'm aware that uh, from speaking with a European investigator that uh, your other European investigators are laughing at us, are uh, believing that we are self-deceived, that uh, this is all disinformation coming from our military, uh, coming from our government, and that none of it is true. Uh, they're talking about a false flag invasion sort of thing. And so I, I'm concerned. I think that it is going to uh, probably require that these non-human entities reveal themselves to all of us. Uh, there will be uh, a great period of uh, ontological shock where uh, individuals around the world who had been disinformed about the, the ET presence or whatever presence this is, it could be interdimensional, but had been disinformed uh, from the very beginning uh, are going to suddenly realize that this has occurred. And I think that it would require that and a vast kind of education. I do my best. I have uh, spoken at uh, conferences nationally and internationally uh, to attempt to raise human consciousness to persuade individuals. I'm sure that a lot of people think that I've turned woo-woo and uh, that, and I've even heard someone say, oh, she's gone all spiritual on us. But, you know, there, there's more than the nuts and bolts element. And uh, I can understand why our military, why our scientists would want to uh, move ahead in our technological development. Uh, but I also am fully aware that there are many who are attempting to understand the whole consciousness part of this, which is vast, that there, there appears to be uh, a consciousness that can do things that are against our current understanding of, of science. And uh, for example, those who are studying and have studied the Skinwalker Ranch in Utah, where uh, prehistoric animals 
a prehistoric wolf has appeared, where UFOs are seen, where there are cattle mutilations, where there are uh, shadow people, where there are non-humans that materialize, where uh, there are a lot of things going on. Also, I investigated a case in Texas that was very much like this. And so there appears to be something that is occurring. Uh, Dr. John Alexander, who is also Colonel John Alexander, whom I have a great deal of respect for, has studied this for a very long period of time. And he's talking about portals. I'm glad that I'm not the only one that he is talking about interdimensional portals that appear to be opening up. The ETs have talked about this. And they have uh, given us the information that when thermonuclear weapons are detonated, it tears into the fabric of time and space and bleeds into other dimensions, causing damage not only to us, but to other dimensions as well. And that was a major concern that they expressed in 1954. So. Uh, they are still expressing that concern. Uh, it's been many, many years. I don't know if we'll ever reach that point. I don't want them to intervene. I want <laughs> human consciousness to um, undergo a shift in development. And, but it's going to take a great many people. There are many other people like myself in this field who are attempting to raise human consciousness. And uh, so all we can do is continue to do the work that we're doing. Uh, I've done many, many radio shows. I've talked about this on television shows as well. I don't know if it will be cut out from television shows. I never know what is going to remain of my testimony. Um, but uh, I can think of no other way except for what I'm already doing in terms of writing and speaking uh, about this. And it's not me, it's uh, many, many other people around the world as well. So thousands of nuclear detonations have occurred at this point, ostensibly perforating the dimensional membrane between here and wherever the others are from, forcing their hand. But as to who they are, how many types of entities are engaging us? What are their motivations? Does that make sense as a question? Yes, it does. And I have worked on three major studies on experiencers, numbering about 5,000 in all. Um, and I'm going to, to quote from uh, the Mutual UFO Network's uh, experiencer survey. Uh, this was done with uh, two PhDs. One was Dr. Don C. Dondary, a psychology professor at McGill University. The other was Dr. Michael Austin Melton. And uh, there were several uh, lay researchers as well. And uh, so we had 516 participants whose uh, surveys we decided to use that we realized that they were not uh, hoaxing. We uh, had to eliminate about 50 of them who were either hoaxing, through, we knew that through our trick questions, or uh, simply didn't complete the questionnaire. Uh, in part two of our study, Don C. Dunderry, Dr. Don C. Dunderry, administered the American personality inventory that was devised in order to identify the experiencers who uh, had the symptoms of UFO abduction syndrome. And uh, so I'm, I'm going on that. And what I can tell you is that uh, there are reports of many, many groups, but the most prominent uh, that are reported are uh, those that we think of as the greys and several different ra races of greys with uh, different characteristics, but very similar. Uh, then the human types that are non-human, uh, the insectoid or mantis types, uh, reptilian types, uh, hybrids, 
uh, who are a combination of, of human and non-human. Uh, my lab abductions that are taking place where there are non-humans and what appear to be humans who act in a military fashion. Uh, we don't know if they're actually <laughs> the American military or not. And so there are many, many others that were mentioned in the studies, including uh, uh, Bigfoot uh, or Sasquatch, uh, Tall Blues, uh, Short Squat Blues, Tall Goldens, Tall Whites, um, let me think, uh, Blue Avians, but at, in a much smaller percentage. Uh, we asked the question about the demeanor. What kind of demeanor did these entities have? And so we had two groups here. We had the experiencers uh, who told us 48% said they were businesslike. 65% uh, of those with UFO abduction syndrome said they were businesslike. We asked, um, were these uh, entities, would you characterize them as being evil? 10% uh, said yes, they thought they were evil. Well, we said, were they hostile or sadistic? That was less than 6% who believed they were hostile or sadistic. We asked, do you want it to stop? If you could stop it today, would you? 71% of the overall experiencer group said no, they did not want it to stop. 75% of the abductee group said, no, they did not want it to stop. So with uh, you probably have maybe 20% that, or, or maybe a little higher than that, who view this as being something that they do not want to participate in very longer. Uh, much longer or at all again. Now, this is usually uh, stated by people who are undergoing abductions by a type of reptilian that is doing horrible things. These reptilians uh, supposedly mutilate humans, mutilate cattle, and uh, treat humans very, very poorly when they take them, do horrific things. Uh, I don't know if the this is uh, a, a humanoid reptile that has always lived under the surface of our planet. Uh, this type of reptile is generally not seen on craft, as far as I know. And so that could be an explanation. Um, they appear to be interdimensional. I, I know that, but I don't know everything, and, and no one has all of the answers. And I certainly feel quite ignorant when I'm speaking about that part of it. Um, the insectoid or mantis type is uh, a, a group that is, I believe, quite large, uh, especially in the Western United States and in the Southwest but are also seen throughout the United States in smaller percentages. But they are, appear to be clumsy. They appear not to have a good understanding of humans. And the humans who tend to have contact with them uh, tend to be traumatized by this experience, more so than with the other groups. They might, with the grays, individuals might also feel traumatized until they can understand what's going on. And since the grays work with all of those different groups, uh, there are different, there's different behavior from the grays in the different types of groups. Uh, most of the experiencers who took part in our study said that it depends upon the type of entity whether they uh, believe that they are positive or negative of, or somewhere in between. So uh, I guess that's about uh, all I can offer.
in that large percentage of experiencers who do not wish for the contact, the abductions to stop? Is that because the experience is perceived and interpreted accurately? Or does Stockholm Syndrome come into play given the manner in which these entities are able to shape our experiences, mold our emotion, screen, or even excise memories? How do we parse Stockholm Syndrome from positive events? Are we capable of truly apprehending without distortion the nature of contact? I have asked myself that question time and time again. The uh, UFO investigators and abduction investigators who are not experiencers themselves have promoted the idea that those who are having positive experiences are suffering from Stockholm Syndrome. And all I can say about that is I'm not certain. What I do know is that these highly positive emotions are experienced by me as being real. I have also experienced uh, a non-human or maybe a human entity uh, who has passed, who is uh, I could detect was not at all positive. I was working with an experiencer uh, attempting to discover the truth about whether or not he was being taken by these uh, horrific reptilians. And uh, unfortunately, I received an attachment. And I could uh, really sense the negativity. There's a huge difference for me between having that entity attached to me and sending me into a depressed state to interfering with my sleep immediately. Uh, so I developed a different sleep pattern to making my body uh, uh, feel pain. And, and I did a lot of study on this after this occurred and uh, realized that these highly negative interdimensional entities feed off pain and fear and attach to humans. Whereas my experience with what I believe are extraterrestrial entities, the same ones that uh, were in contact with my aunt and uncle Betty and Barney Hill and with my mother as well, uh, are different. I perceive them as being more positive and as projecting love toward me that I believe is really love. And, you know, so who knows? Do I have Stockholm Syndrome? I doubt it. But I can't say for certain that I don't. Mantids seem to be at the top of the holarchy. People seem to report that when a mantid entity is present, other entities are subservient, deferential, and they seem to be running the show. But paradoxically, they also appear imperfectly attuned to important particulars of human culture. Is it because they are quite literally non-anthropomorphic? Do you have any feelings on these details? Well, I have always considered the human types as being at the top. They're uh, the most prevalent group, uh, according to the Edgar Mitchell Free Foundation's research. And uh, if I were to divide the greys into different groups, they would, would be the most prevalent group that human types would be. Uh, the mantid beings are very perplexing. Uh, they're clumsy. Their hands are very large. They seem not to understand human behavior well. Uh, I've worked with experiencers who have... Uh, had an incredible level of fear. And fear colors our perception of uh, what has occurred. And when, uh, for example, under hypnosis, I might uh, ask for more information about that. I've received information, well, uh, they, they ate my torso. 
they ate my hand, they ate my face. And, I, and I'd say, well, you still have that body part. They didn't eat it. And then they'd say, oh, yes, that is their way of telling me that we are not just physical beings, that we exist in the spiritual as well. But why? I mean, <laughs> somebody needs to, to talk to these entities and, and tell them that they have to find a better way of communicating information to humans because uh, they are perceived as, uh, if not being negative, as being very frightening and as of not understanding humans well and uh, communicating with humans in a way that is uh, really without empathy toward humans. A question I like to ask any guest with knowledge of mantids is what is the link between the large mantids and the 2,400 species of mantis insects? The insects have been on Earth for at least 135 million years. They share morphology. Why? You'd think this would be a major topic of discussion, but it isn't. Do you have any insight? The only insight that I have on these two are, is that what I've received, it's just a testimony from an experiencer, not, uh, not from any of the studies that I've worked on. But the information I was given is that they are all light beings, but they have a different morphology. And that is uh, that that is that they are created. They have been created by these human types uh, for some reason. You're referring to the eight foot tall ones. Yes. Can you share a bit more about how you were healed, and beyond that, why some experiences are healed and others are afflicted? There's a lot of medical fallout that comes with contact. Can you speak to these? Medical mysteries. Okay, um, I had suffered from chronic fatigue and immune dysfunction syndrome for a number of years, and it came uh, after a particularly frightening experience that I had, and I was burned during that experience. Uh, I think that I was exposed to some radiation. Uh, my doctor at first believed that I uh, had been subjected to some kind of radiation. Uh, my face was burned, my back, I lost hair. And then I uh, became ill and didn't know what to do with it. Suffered, I lost my profession because of the, the degree of my illness. And I was speaking with an experiencer from Australia uh, in 2012, I believe it was. And uh, he also speaks with uh, a council of ETs and there's one representative who speaks to other humans. And so he arranged for me to have a meeting with this entity and this was done via Skype. And I, I said that I believed that they were responsible for my illness and that I had suffered long enough. And if I was going to go about doing my work, I needed to be healed. And I wasn't sure if the uh, experiencer was on the level uh, I, you know, I, I have many questions about people who channel information, but I thought I would do that. I would ask for this, you know, both as a test of his veracity and uh, as a test on whether or not I could actually be healed. I wasn't expecting healing, but four nights later, I woke up in severe pain. In fact, I woke my husband up and said, you might have to take me to the hospital or I might, you might have to call an ambulance. I don't know what's happening to me. And so he said, okay, we, we will just uh, see what happens and let me know. 
And so the next thing I knew, I was in a, a different kind of environment. And it was sort of misty or foggy. I was on a table. There were two tall glowing entities by my head from what I could see from my peripheral vision. Uh, I was aware of some kind of uh, a chart. I don't know if it was a screen I was looking at, if it was a holographic image, or if it was just an image projected into my mind. But what I saw was what I thought was my body. And I could see a sort of energy running through the periphery. I saw certain organs that were highlighted in pastel green, pastel pink. And I could feel the pain was from the procedure that was being done, a very, very deep, deep level of pain, plus tingling, that same tingling sensation around the periphery of my body. The next thing I knew, I was waking up in the morning, and I felt like I was 21 years old again. I was born in 1948, and uh, I have not had chronic fatigue and immune dysfunction again in all of those years. I, the symptoms have not returned. So I'm very grateful for whatever it was that happened to me. They, I do not believe that these entities were the grays that my family has seen, or type of race of grays that my family has seen uh, for many years or interacted with. This was appeared to be something different, taller, and uh, I couldn't actually see their faces. I only was aware that they were glowing. And uh, I, I spoke with a medical doctor about this. And uh, actually two medical doctors. One of the medical doctors said that over the years, many of his or some of his patients uh, had come in with radiation burns and he couldn't explain this, but they... Uh, had said that they thought they had contact with these non-humans. And also a medical doctor told me that the organs that I saw in pink and pastel green were the organs that were involved in chronic fatigue and immune dysfunction syndrome or chronic uh, mononucleosis, which was my first diagnosis. So, uh, that sort of verified to me that, yes, <laughs> this individual in Australia, Paul Hamden, is having contact with these non-human entities. I did speak with one of them, and uh, I was healed by them. For more information on Kathleen Marden, check the show notes. Part two of our conversation with Kathleen Marden airs next week for Plus Members. Plus members, I hope you're enjoying the adorable sugar gliders, which were hand-delivered to you wrapped in vicuna wool, sourced from the Andes Mountains. Minus members, your rabid vampire bat should arrive whenever it gets there. Plus members, I'm so glad your symptoms have subsided as a result of our round-the-clock remote Reiki healing, which comes standard for all Plus members. Minus listeners, some of the rabies shots you'll need may arrive if they get there, which could partially address the bat bites from the biting bats. Plus members, does this feel good? Good. You feel that? Minus members, that numbness is normal. It's a normal part of losing sensation, and it will only last as long as it persists. Plus members, yeah, I can totally pick you up from the airport. No, it's nothing. Minus members, that rusty unicycle has a flat, but the rim, the, the rim should hold. If you want to join Plus, just click the link in the show notes. It's hard, expensive, and wasteful. That's true. What can I tell you? I've had multiple dreams about Olivia Newton-John. I mean, who hasn't? But mine were recent. And because they happened to me, they're special. I mean, personal. I woke up singing, have to believe we are magic. It's been in my head all day. 
I was telling my wife about this and she said, maybe the two of you were abducted and you saw her on a craft. Okay, I know that's a big leap from dreaming about her to us being co-abducted. To my knowledge, we have not run that particular cosmic potato sack race together yet. Then I thought about it and realized, wait, didn't Olivia Newton-John witness a UFO? So I checked, yes, she was a teenager. A silver object blazed across the sky at incomprehensible speeds. It was brief, but enough to impact her worldview. She believes we're not alone. Newton John has commented, or is it just John? It's not hyphenated and that kind of crashes the grammar bus. But at any rate, Olivia has commented, quote, I have seen one when I was very young. It was unidentified and it was flying. It's true that I'm intrigued by them. I've seen so many shifts in belief systems over the years. In England, most people now think UFOs are possible. 20 years ago, how many people would have thought that? End quote. It's kind of total bullshit that I can't play have to believe we are magic right now. Why? Because of copyrights? Because I didn't write it? How many times do I have to say that there's only oneself? And so, that's kind of my song. Like someone said, consciousness is a singular, the plural of which is unknown. If that's true, I guess I said that. Anyway, when you take a closer look at have to believe we are magic, it's seductive, but it's eerie, alluring, but a bit alarming. Come take my hand. You should know me. I've always been in your mind. You know that I'll be kind. I'll be guiding you. Okay, so far, sounds okay, although I do think we might want to have a safe word. And I don't know, it could be anything, but it's definitely Xanadu. Continuing, building your dream has to start now. There's no other road to take. You won't make a mistake. I'll be guiding you. I appreciate that you feel such certitude, but to be honest, if you weren't in Greece, I might not even take this road. Because it seems like pretty black and white thinking. There's no other road to take. What about that one? How about those ones? Why not these ones? They all lead to Rome, Olivia, New John. I digress. You have to believe we are magic. Nothing can stand in our way. You have to believe we are magic. Don't let your aim ever stray. And if all your hopes survive, your destiny will arrive. I'll bring all your dreams alive for you. I get that you're saying intention is super important, but you also kind of sound like someone who's never failed at anything, and that's great. But I, on the other hand, have panic attacks. I dropped out of college. I peed in a Mountain Dew bottle and accidentally drank it. I get a feeling I'm not the sure thing you paint me to be in this song. I do grant you that this song about building your dream, well, it literally built my dream, which is pretty straight up sorcery, bonafide magic. You know, if it conjures like a duck and brings reality into accord with its own will like a duck, then fuck a duck. It's magic. I'm on to you, new John. I'll close by saying, it'd be nice if you dreamed about me once in a while. Shh, don't say nightmare. Aliens and Artists is brought to you by The Liminal Muse, offering one-on-one -on -one work with me, Stuart Davis. Sessions focus on transpersonal hypnotherapy, creativity as a spiritual path, contemplative practices, and more. Go to theliminalmuse.com to book a session or click the link in the show notes. And the Experiencer Group, a private membership site for experiencers of anomalous phenomena, including near-death, out-of-body, precognition, mediumship, contact with non-human entities, and much more. The Experiencer Group features private meetups with other experiencers from around the world, exclusive Ask Me Anything sessions with luminaries, original video and audio content, and much more. Click the link at the show notes to become a member and get one month free. Grace comes home drunk sometimes. And be 
beats on the doorway to my guts I fumble with the lock Till the wound opens up And she falls in Laughing on my ribs I choke on her dancing on my tongue She kicks out a tooth Another fragile Buddha 